you do if you were putting yourself through school while working at an athletic wear shop? You love to travel, you're very smart, and you just can't wait to begin the next phase of your life. But little do you know, it'll be cut down by somebody that you see on a very regular basis. And this person will do everything they can to cover it up. Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Diver. We take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you, and thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime with us. Please check out our episode description. There you can find the links to my TikTok and Instagram, a link to help us out over here at Crime Dive, as well as the links to my special connection form and a case request form. You can also find my email in the episode description for any business inquiries. And like I said, I'm still looking for editors. So if you guys know anybody or if you are interested, please feel free to send me an email at crimedivepodcast9 at gmail.com. Today we are going to be talking about a pretty shocking case. This case also took place in the DMV near where I'm from. I'm not choosing these cases on purpose. The first case I did about that, which was one of my last videos that I just did, you can go ahead and watch. It's called Hate Crime in a Hair Salon. That was actually requested in my case request form, which is why I did it. But this one I've actually been meaning to do for a really long time. It turns out in a way that you would absolutely never expect. And it was a really big deal around the time that it happened in this area. We are going to be talking about the brutal murder of Jaina Murray. But with that, let's get right into the case. Jaina Troxel Murray was born on November 22nd, 1980 in Wichita, Kansas. Her parents' names were David and Phyllis, and she had two brothers named Hugh and Dirk. Jaina was described as somebody who really liked to live life on the edge. She loved animals, she loved traveling, she loved dancing, and she was just overall an incredible woman. She was the type of woman who really took the bull by the horns, and she just lived her life in a very free-spirited way. She attended the Madrid, Spain campus of St. Louis, Missouri for two years before coming back to the States to attend George Washington University in Washington, DC. She graduated in 2003 with a bachelor's in international marketing and business. In 2009, she earned a master in the arts at Johns Hopkins University, also located in DC. And she was pursuing another master's for business administration from the same school. Jaina was very smart and she really valued her education and she wanted to further herself as much as she possibly could. And she just was a very successful young woman. Now, while she was pursuing her second master's, she was living in Arlington, Virginia and working at a Lululemon athletic store in Bethesda, Maryland. Lululemon, in case you don't know, it was really big around the early 2010s. It's a high-end athletic apparel store that's mostly known for their leggings. I remember I used to want Lululemon leggings growing up and my mom was like, absolutely not. They're expensive. You don't need high-end leggings, but I remember wanting them so bad. Jaina was working at Lululemon, she was putting herself through school, and she was just continuing to build her own success. But all of this would come to a very violent end. On the morning of March 12, 2011, police receive a call from the manager of the Lululemon store that Jaina worked at, a woman named Rachel O'Ortley, and she called saying that there were two people found at the back of her store, and they were in bad shape. 911, what is the emergency? Hi, yes, I just called 911 um, to come and there's two dead people in the back of my store. There's a woman that's alive and she's breathing. She's tied up. She's tied up. Okay, and you're saying that there's one, one person is dead? One person seems dead and the other person is breathing. I need an ambulance right away. Did you see anything or this is all? No, I didn't. I was too scared to walk back because it looked like there was 
So it was a struggle. Rachel said that when she showed up to work, the door was unlocked, which is obviously a very bad sign that something happened. And when she went in the back room, she saw two people covered in blood. So police arrive and they notice that the store at the front actually looks pretty normal. But as they start to get further back, they begin to see signs of a struggle. There were clothes everywhere, broken glass, trash, receipts, and of course, blood and then they found the two women that were in the back of the store. One of these women was 29-year-old Brittany Norwood. She was actually from Seattle, Washington, and she moved to New York to go to Stony Brook University on a soccer scholarship. After this, she moved to the Columbia Heights neighborhood of DC so she could be closer to her sister. And she began working at the Lululemon apparel store so that way she could build up some money while working on her dream of opening her own gym and becoming a certified personal trainer. She had actually only been working at this Lululemon store for a month before this incident happened. Brittany was found on the bathroom floor covered in blood and had zip ties around her wrists and her hands were placed above her head. But luckily, Brittany was alive and she appeared to be okay. But the other woman was Jaina and Jaina was not in good shape at all. She was found lying face down in a pool of her own blood. She appeared to have suffered severe head trauma and there were paper bags found taped over both of her hands. Jaina was found to have had over three hundred stab wounds, 331 to be exact. So this was a very, very brutal attack, but it was clear that Jaina was gone. And at only 30 years old, Jaina Murray was pronounced dead. And this was such a huge loss of life. Jaina was becoming very successful and she was working towards even more success. So to have been cut down in her prime was heartbreaking for her family. And Jaina's injuries were so bad that her family had to have a closed casket service. Now this crime was pretty shocking, specifically for this area, because Bethesda is a very safe area and a lot of violent crimes do not take place whatsoever. So for two women to have been brutally attacked in a store on Bethesda Row, which is a row of very high-end stores, it was just shocking for a lot of people to hear. Police decided to assess the scene and they found that the safe in the store was completely empty. And it was at that moment that they realized this was definitely a robbery gone wrong. Brittany was taken to Suburban Hospital where she was treated for her injuries but she was expected to make a full recovery. Detectives wanted to speak to her immediately so they could figure out what she knew about what happened that night. But the first thing Brittany did was ask how Jaina was doing because she had no idea that she was gone. So Brittany decides to tell detectives what happened the night before on March 11th, 2011. Brittany said that her and Jaina were closing up the store together and they left at around 9.45 p.m. But about 10 minutes later, Brittany gets to the Metro and realizes that she doesn't have her Metro card. So she actually calls Jaina and asks her if she can meet her back at the store so she can unlock it for her because she has to get her wallet. Jaina meets back up with her, they go to the store and Brittany looks around for her wallet but she can't seem to find it. So Jaina actually offers Brittany her Metro card because Jaina was driving that night and she didn't need it. As Brittany is taking Jaina's card and they're getting ready to leave, they go to the front of the store and they see that there are two masked men there that are ready to attack. And one of them immediately strikes Jaina in the head and drags her by her hair to the back room and just continues to strike her over and over and over again. Brittany said that she was struck in the head as well and she had a pretty deep head wound to verify this. And then she was taken to the bathroom, tied up and assaulted. 
So this sounds like a pretty gruesome and harrowing attack. I can't imagine something like that happening. Let the store that you had to go back and then for this to happen, I mean, it's just terrifying. And police really wanted to catch whoever did this. So they go back to the scene and they begin processing it while Brittany is being questioned by detectives. And they find a pair of shoes tucked away on a rack that's pressed against a wall. And there were actually two different pairs of shoes. One pair was a size 14 in men's and another pair was a small pair of women's shoes. And both had blood on them. Now the size 14 shoes actually matched footprints of blood that were found in the store. So it appeared like these were the shoes of the suspects. Now why suspects would leave their shoes behind, I don't know. Now one thing police noticed was that these footprints did not leave the store. So it was almost like whoever did it took their shoes off and kept them in the store and then walked out barefoot or maybe they put their own shoes back on. Police thought this was just very methodically planned out, almost like whoever did this knew exactly what they were doing and made sure to cover it up. Now, one thing police noticed was that they couldn't find Jana's car. Now, Jana's car should have been parked on the street outside if she was still there, but they couldn't find it. But a detective actually remembered seeing Jana's car the night before with somebody inside. And they went to the parking lot where the detective remembered seeing the car, and sure enough, they found Jana's car, and it was just sitting in this parking lot vacant. So they decided to impound it and test it for forensic evidence to see if they could find anything significant. Because somebody had to have moved that car. Jana was found in the store. So who moved her car? Police wanted to look at any surveillance footage from the surrounding area to see if they could find out who possibly walked into the store that night. But there weren't a lot of surveillance cameras in this area on Bethesda Row because it was such a nice area. The only store that had surveillance was actually an Apple store right next to the Lululemon because they were a tech company. They sold very high-end merchandise. They needed a security camera. So police review Apple's security footage and they see two men wearing all black and knit caps walking past the Apple store and past the Lululemon. Now you couldn't tell if they actually went inside or not, but they walked past and they seemed to match the description that Brittany gave. Police decided to do a stakeout of the area and see if they could find two men very similar walking past the Lululemon store. And sure enough, they did. They saw these two men walk past the store again. Police immediately approached them with a picture from the surveillance footage saying, hey, do you recognize these guys or is this you? And they're like, yeah, that's us. We just left our shift at the restaurant. We walked past here pretty much every night. And police were able to verify that this is in fact what they were doing. And they walked past the Lululemon store pretty much every day. So they were ruled out as suspects and police are back to square one. Police decided to refer to any DNA or forensic evidence that was found at the scene as well as on Jaina's body to see if that can paint a picture of who the killer might be. As I said, Jaina had over 300 stab wounds and at least five different weapons were used to kill her, including a knife and a hammer. Now why someone would use five different weapons is crazy, but this is exactly what happened. But one thing that police noticed that was odd was that all of these weapons were left at the scene. Each of these tools that were used to kill Jaina all came from inside the store and they were left in the store after the fact, which is very, very weird. Nonetheless, Jaina's injuries were extremely, extremely brutal. And the final blow that killed Jaina was actually a stab to her back that severed her spinal cord. So Jaina was actually alive for majority of the wounds that were inflicted on her, which I cannot imagine the torture and the pain and fear that she must have felt. Sounds like whoever did this really wanted to hurt her before they actually killed her. So it almost sounds personal. 
Police put out a $125,000 reward for anybody with information leading to an arrest in the case. And they were actually getting some calls about local people who some people believed might be responsible, including one for a man named Keith Lockett. Now Keith Lockett was a local homeless man who was known to hang out at a local bar every night. But people noticed that the night Jaina was murdered, Keith wasn't at this bar. And someone else who knew Keith said that he saw him walking down the street with another man that he had never seen him with before. They were both carrying backpacks and it just looked a little weird. Now Keith was always known to carry a backpack with his belongings in it, but they just said there was something about the guy that he was with that just gave them a pretty bad feeling. So police wanted to find Keith and talk to him. And he was actually located at a hospital about 10 miles away from the Lululemon store. And when they got there, Keith was in pretty rough shape. His face was bloody and swollen. His clothes were bloody. It looked like he had been involved in a pretty serious altercation. And given Jaina's injuries, she actually fought her attacker for about 10 minutes. So it's possible that whoever did this to her would probably look like they had been in a fight. Police wanted to question Keith and figure out what he knew and where he was that night. But they noticed that Keith seemed to have some cognitive issues, almost as if it was a little bit difficult for him to form a sentence enough to even tell them what happened. So police weren't sure if he was their guy because it took a lot of methodical planning to kill Jaina the way she was killed. And police just had a hard time believing that Keith may have even been capable of doing this. Now, as far as the blood on his clothes, it was actually fresh, but Jaina had been dead for about two to three days. So her blood would have been dried. The blood on Keith was fresh. They just realized that it didn't really line up. He wasn't their guy. So they ruled him out as a suspect. Police decided to revisit the crime scene for answers because that was pretty much the only thing that they were absolutely sure of because that's how things were found. And they decided to call in a forensic specialist to look over the crime scene because they were completely stumped. And the forensic specialist came to the conclusion that some things were not adding up. Specifically, what they found at the scene was not adding up with Brittany's story. First of all, the way Brittany told the story, there had to have been at least three people in the store when her and Jaina were attacked because there was her, there was Jaina, and there was whoever attacked them. But they could not find any more evidence that no more than two people were in the store at once. And this had a lot to do with the footprints that they found. It was just really not making a whole lot of sense. Police decided to speak to Brittany once she was released from the hospital and ask her to retell the story because they wanted to make sure that they had all the information. And she tells the story pretty much exactly the same way, but she does add a new detail that police think is pretty interesting. She said that at one point, the attackers actually placed her on top of Jaina's body. And they said the reason that they kept her alive was because she was cute and fun to mess with. Now when police asked her why there was any reason why shoes would be found in the store, she said that they had two pairs of shoes that women would wear while their leggings were being altered. So that way they could be altered correctly. And with that, Brittany gave her statement and walked out. But detectives just had a very weird feeling. They felt like something just wasn't adding up about Brittany's story at all. They felt like she was trying to create such this huge outlandish story and try to bring up the worst of the worst of criminals. She said the criminals were racist, they were assaulters, they put her on top of her dead coworkers body. They said all types of things to her. It was almost like she was creating a movie character with these attackers. I mean, just trying to describe the worst person possible. And police just started to figure out that this was, it was just a little hard to believe that this was actually how things went down. They also felt like it was really weird that everything used to attack both her and Jaina was found inside the store and left there. It almost sounds like an inside job. Why would somebody come to rob a store with no weapons and then whatever weapons they use, 
just they leave them there I mean, wouldn't you take them with you at least so police decided to investigate Brittany as a suspect and they wanted to look into her much further to see if it was possible that she could have been responsible for Jaina's death one thing they noticed was that Brittany had some very superficial wounds she had a few cuts on her stomach a few cuts on her hand and a head wound but her wounds weren't really that bad it almost looked like she could have done them to herself but compared to Jaina's wounds that were extremely deadly very graphic. Why was Britney spared and Jaina wasn't? I mean, why would they leave a live witness? It doesn't make sense. A sexual assault kit was done on both Jaina and Britney because Britney said that she was assaulted and Jaina may have been as well. But the results came back negative. Neither of them were assaulted. So why would Britney say that if it didn't happen? Forensic specialists decided to test the theory that maybe Britney was the one who killed Jaina. And they did so by looking back at the evidence and they said that the only way Britney would have been able to tighten the zip ties around her wrists was if she used her teeth to pull it on the end and sure enough they found bite marks at the end of Britney's zip ties now you might be wondering well maybe she was trying to get herself out of the zip ties but then wouldn't you bite at the part closest to your wrist why would you bite at the part that would tighten them I mean biting at the bottom doesn't help you get out at all so why would you do that police also looked back at the way Britney was found and like I said she was found with zip ties around her wrists and her arms above her head they said that she almost looked like she was posing. Clearly Brittany was not injured enough to not be able to move or be killed. So why did she just lay there all night? And why didn't she get up and try to save herself or Jaina? Because by this point the alleged attackers they're gone. They did what they did to her and Jaina and then they left. So why wouldn't you get up and do something about it? I mean, Brittany just laid there all night waiting for somebody to open the store and call 911. That's just weird. I mean, why wouldn't you get up if you could? After reviewing the footprints again, police believe that Brittany used the size 14 shoes that were found inside the store to create footprints in the blood to make it look like somebody else had done it, specifically a man. And forensic specialists actually noticed that the size 14 shoe prints were found pretty much directly on the same track as Brittany's shoes. It was like they were both walking at the same time while Brittany was putting these tracks in place. So it was just a lot of it that was not adding up. Police got Jaina's car back from forensic testing and they found that there was blood on her steering wheel and her gear shift. And they believed that Brittany probably moved it after she killed her and then went back and staged that whole scene to make it look like they were both attacked. They also found a Lululemon hat on the car floor that had a spot of blood on it that seemed to align directly with Brittany Norwood's head wound. Almost like she put the hat on and took it off and left it in the car. Six days after Jaina's murder, Brittany actually requested to speak to police because she wanted to give more details about that night that she didn't reveal at first. Now this was pretty interesting. I don't think she knew she was a suspect by this point, but she might've figured that police were starting to get a little bit close to finding out that a lot of what she was saying wasn't adding up. So she decided to go back into the police station willingly and give more information and explanation to some of the concerns that she was probably thinking they had. And sure enough, she goes in there and she starts to add new details that she didn't say before. Like the suspects made her move Jaina's car. So I guess she figured they were probably starting to put two and two together. So she wanted to hurry up and go in and try to explain some things away. And she said that, yeah, they made me move Jaina's car. They told me that if I talked to anybody on the way there, that I was dead. That night played out. Mm. Prior to him, sexually assaulting me and zip tying me, they made me move her car. 
Okay. I know where her car is. Um, and they seem to know where it was, where she was parked. Okay. They asked, they said, where are her keys? I have no idea. I don't, one of them punched me in my head and made me look through her coat and her bag for them when I finally found them. Um, they said if I was to pass to anyone and open my mouth, I can consider myself dead. And that one of them would be watching the entire time. And she said that she walked past a cop on the way to Jaina's car and said nothing because she was scared. I've never been in this situation before, but if I see a cop, I'm gonna say something. But again, I've never been in that situation, so I can't say what exactly I would do, but I have a pretty good idea of what I would do. At this point, police were over the ruse. They were tired of the lie. So they just decided to confront Brittany with everything they knew. And they said, Brittany, we think you're the suspect and you need to tell us what happened. Brittany, comes a point sometimes and we have to break down and get everything off of our chest. You gotta tell us what really happened. I'm telling you. Because I know what really happened. I told you what really happened. No, what you've done is you've concocted a, an incredible story that doesn't make any doggone sense. No. With the injuries that you have, they're self-inflicted. Yeah, they're self-inflicted. You did this to yourself. It's incredible that you want me or anyone to believe that you're lying like this overnight haven't moved okay that's posed nobody in the world is going to believe this story no one he doesn't believe it my boss doesn't believe it when i tell your brother and your sister they ain't gonna believe it and your mother and your father they're gonna say bullshit can I help you? Been a little bit, but how did it start? Come on, let's get this over with. Come on, baby, let's get this over with. Nah, uh-uh. But Brittany continued to deny everything. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. I was not involved. I didn't do this. And she stuck to her story, no matter how much detectives pressed her out. Now, Brittany actually came to the station with her brother and she asked police if she could speak to him alone in the room and they allowed her to. And Brittany's brother's like, look, if you did this, you need to tell me. Well, I'm not gonna rat you out. We just have to get you a lawyer so we can figure this out. And Brittany just said, I don't wanna talk about this here. Now she didn't deny the fact that she did it to her brother. She just didn't say anything. She just said, I don't wanna talk about it. You're less likely to lie to family members about things like this. So they were hoping that maybe she would reveal it to him, but she didn't deny it to him at all. All, which to police almost seemed like an admission of guilt. Police felt like if they let Brittany go that she was probably going to run. By this point she's been confronted with all of their suspicions, she's pretty much a suspect, and she might flee. So that day on March 18th 2011, Brittany Norwood was arrested and charged with the first degree murder of Jaina Murray. Tonight we've arrested Brittany Norwood, age 27, for the murder of Jaina Murray. Ms. Norwood was an employee of the store 
and this woman originally thought to be the surviving victim. Sure, Brittany probably wishes she hadn't gone to the police station that day because they didn't even have to go looking for her. She willingly came in to give them information, not knowing that all it was doing was adding to their suspicions. Now, when Jaina's family found out that Brittany was arrested for her murder, they were absolutely floored. They felt horrible for Brittany at first because they thought that she was a victim too. And they even considered sending her some flowers, making sure she was okay. So when they found out that she may have been responsible for Jaina's murder and concocted this whole story to make herself look like a victim too, they just could not believe it. I remember when this happened, it was very shocking. I mean, the fact that it even happened at all was scary, but to know that it was all just one big lie was definitely very crazy to think about. Police decided to speak to some workers at the Lululemon store that worked with Jaina and Brittany in order to get a picture of what type of employee Brittany was like. And it was not good. Brittany was known to be a thief. She was actually transferred from another Lululemon store for similar issues. And as soon as she got to the store that Jaina worked at, money and personal items from employees started to come up missing. Now they didn't have any direct proof that Brittany was the one who did it, but everybody kind of assumed it was her because none of it started happening until she got there. Some of Brittany's former teammates actually came forward and said that they had a similar issue with her while they were playing together, specifically in the locker room. And everybody was always told to lock their lockers and be careful and wary of Brittany because she was known to steal. In fact, she was actually kicked off the team for it. Girls on the team that had known her longer than me had told me things like, watch your locker, keep it locked. Um, she's been known to steal things. Police also learned a little bit more about the night that Jaina was killed, specifically when Brittany had to go back to the store and retrieve her wallet. They found out from a manager that the store had actually implemented a policy where employees had to check each other's bags before they left the store. And that night on March 11th, when Brittany and Jaina were working together, they both checked each other's bags. And the manager said that she actually got a call from Jaina saying that she had found a pair of Lululemon leggings in Britney's bag that she hadn't paid for. Turns out Britney had stolen a pair of leggings from the store and when Jaina found them she asked her if she paid for them and Britney said that she did but when Jaina called the person who supposedly rung her up she was like I never rang her up for these she never bought these and at that moment they knew that Britney had stolen the leggings. So Jaina called the manager to report the theft and police believed that this was Britney's motive for killing Jaina. They think that Brittany lied about leaving her wallet in the store to get Jaina back to the store so she could convince her not to snitch. But when Jaina told her that she had already called the manager, it was at that moment that Brittany decided to kill her over fear and desperation of being fired. And then she just created this whole story of the attackers and made herself look like a victim so that way she wouldn't be suspected. They believe that she gave herself superficial wounds and she tracked the shoe prints through the store on purpose. And then she just tied herself up and waited until the morning. I can't imagine what was going through her head while she was laying there that night. To know what she had just done and then to have created that whole story, there's no turning back and you just have to lay there and wait until morning. And that's just such a wild scene to think about. On January 27, 2010, 10 months after Jaina's murder, Brittany Norwood was convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And I remember when this flashed on TV and it came out that Brittany was convicted and I was shocked. I mean, I was only 11 at the time, but I very much remember it because it was so crazy that the story flipped so suddenly. Now she went from being a victim and a survivor to the murderer. 
It's a murder case that has stunned many here in Maryland and even grabbed national headlines. Jana Murray was laid to rest this weekend after being killed in the yoga store where she worked. Now in a twist few saw coming, her co-worker has been charged with murder. Brittany is currently serving a life sentence at the Maryland Correctional Institute for Women, where she will die in prison. She actually tried to get a new trial around like 2015 or so, but the judge was like, no, you're not getting a new trial. You did this and you know it. And that was it. Jaina's family decided to start the Jaina Murray Foundation in order to fund activities that Jaina was really passionate about. Like I said, she took life by the horns, she lived to the fullest, and that was exactly what she wanted to support. They also handed out scholarship money as well because Jaina was really big on education. She was so smart. Now it looks like the link to the foundation page doesn't work. It looks like they just run it off of a Facebook page now. So I'm going to leave that link in the episode description in case you guys want to look at it or maybe even donate. I've been wanting to cover this case for a very long time because it was really big in this area and I couldn't believe that it happened the way that it did and how things turned out. Let me know in the comments what you think of this case. But with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching and I hope to see you in the water soon.